Hey, it started. Technology functions today. Hi, everyone. Hi. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm Sam. Other Carrie. Grandpa. And welcome to the 2015 Academy Awards. They just darn keep happening. We are catching up to the present day. We are. If we had timed it better, we could be doing our 2022 one right when the awards have happened. I don't think we timed it well enough. We, I think we're going to be off what? by about a month. That would have taken a lot more math. Oh yeah, no, I didn't want to do that. No. I Also knowing our schedules. But anyways... We I, don't know our schedules. <laughs> who do you think we know what we're doing? Uh, this is If I Ran the Oscars, where we look at one movie from each year the awards were on TV. We look at what it won for, and a couple other categories at random to see what else it could have won for. I we did manage to roll best picture, which is good for us. It means that we got a pretty good one. But let's look at some other fun facts. Uh, some of the fun facts are about this movie, so we will hang on to those for a bit. Uh, in fact, basically all of the fun facts this year are about this movie. The only other one what? is Robert Duvall became the oldest male acting nominee at age 84. Oh, it, for well, that'll be eclipsed, but not uh, yet. Almost certainly. Uh, the Judge, he played Judge Joseph Palmer, and he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Hmm. But all of our other fun facts are about this movie. So, for instance, Alejandro Iñárritu mm-hmm. is the second person Mexican to win Best Director. Right after last Right week. after last movie. Uh, Emmanuel Lubezki is the fourth person to win two consecutive Best Cinematography Awards after last movie. Wow, that was Gravity last week. And Birdman was the first film to win Best Picture without any editing nomination. Hmm. Wow. No film editing or sound editing or visual effects. Well, it's interesting because we'll talk about the film editing. Well, we'll we'll definitely talk about the cinematography because Mm -hmm. that's what our primary thing is today. Uh, But yes, it is Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, thereby technically breaking... Our long streak of very short movie titles. True. I lo- I noticed this after Gravity. Since Lord of the Rings Return of the King, we've had one movie that's had more than one word in its title. Not including the, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really count. But our one break in there was The Born Ultimatum. <laughs> but you know, like yes. Babel or Gravity or The Fighter. Mm-hmm. Finally, we get a movie with more than one word in it. It's a subtitle. We have talked about Alejandro Iñárritu. Last week. No. Last week was Curran. Oh. Iñárritu was Babel. Oh. Which we, which we liked yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. And we also liked Gravity quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So we there's a few actors that we haven't gotten to talk about, but production-wise a little bit, Raymond Carver, who this film is not based upon his work, but discusses his work, is a real guy. A real writer? He is a real writer and contributed to the revitalization of the American short story during the 1980s. Did not know that. And in fact, the fake play that is in this movie is based on an actual work of his. Huh. Uh, It was not his Pulitzer Prize winning one. That was his third collection, Cathedral, in 1984. But he did actually write a short story uh, sort of collection that this fake play was based on. But who was in this fake play? 
why you mean the characters or the actors the actors because we haven't gotten to talk about michael keaton yet michael keaton is possibly the most marvel slash dc person that we're going to get to talk about on this podcast (laughs) because not only was he batman in two tim burton batmans he is slated to be batman again in Mm -hmm. two more movies because when they make the flash movie they're going to alternate universes where Michael Keaton is still Batman. And the Batgirl <laughs> movie might all apparently also has him being Batman again. He's also the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. And apparently also the upcoming Marvel movie Morbius. Oh. Where a guy turns into a vampire. And thus bringing Jared Leto into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No. So that'll be weird. He's also Beetlejuice. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom, oh, just, yeah. Mom just says no. Come on. Just so long as you don't say it two more times, we're good. Yeah, we're fine. No. Mom says no? <laughs> no, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh. And now we can't say it anymore. See? Uh, he was in Herbie Fully Loaded. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cars, Toy Story 3. Yeah, all right. Is he the bad guy in Toy Story 3? I think he's the bad guy in Toy Story 3. The purple teddy bear? I think he's the purple teddy bear. Spoilers, everyone. The purple teddy bear is not your friend. (laughs) Uh, He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, I think he's transcended the point in his career where he's stuck being the guy who played Batman to now he Mm -hmm. is okay with being Batman again. Uh, This movie, of course, being about an actor who used to be in superhero movies and is now washed up. On Broadway. Well, and I don't think you get washed up if you're on regular Broadway. Exactly, but, but he definitely, it, he, by his own admission, he thought that the script had been written to make fun of him until he heard about it, read it, and everything, and then he was totally on board. To clarify, he's not the bad guy in Toy Story 3. Ah. He's Ken oh. of Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Ken's not a nice guy in that movie. Well, he's not the bad guy, but he's not a good guy in that movie. Well, he's willing to throw Barbie under the proverbial bus. Yeah, and I believe possibly an actual bus if he could get the chance. <laughs> or was Ken the bad guy then? He, he was beside the point. He was he was not a nice guy. Beside the point. There, in that was in any case, we need to talk about Zachary Knight Galifianakis, the man who people told me I looked like for multiple years. <laughs> Is. He's the guy from The Hangover. Is his name really Galifianakis? Yeah, his name is. is really Galifianakis. Uh, he was in, most notably, The Hangover Trilogy, mm-hmm. which was during a period in my life where I had a little bit longer hair and a big bushy beard, and mm-hmm. it was the thing that people said I looked mm-hmm. like, which was whatever. Uh, he's been in a few things, like the Lego Batman movie. He's the Joker. Mm-hmm. And he Did wants to be Batman's arch nemesis, but Batman says his arch nemesis is Superman. I don't think I saw that movie. Did I? You probably did, but it just not, can't remember. It's not as good as the regular Lego movie. We're sorry. The original was. I just love that too much. And his most notable role, as far as you know, being wacky and zany, is between two ferns, which yes. is a phenomenal. It is show. amazing. It's only on the internet, so it's not a oh. real TV show, except for the movie. They're making a movie. It it already came out. Oh, okay. Huh. Hey, he was he was Hobo Joe in Muppets Most Wanted. So you know, All right. come on. Fair enough. Give my, him some credit. My apologies. <laughs> uh, or Humpty Alexander Dumpty. Ah, uh, yes. That? 
<laughs> well, then let's move on to a man who has punched himself. Uh, it's Edward Norton. Uh, the punching himself is a reference to the fact that he was in Fight Club, where he fights with Brad Pitt, except Brad Pitt is himself. Spoilers to everyone who hasn't seen Fight Club. Go watch Fight Club. <laughs> it's also a book. I've read the book. It's pretty good. Uh, his first Academy Award nomination was American History X. Which where, is a wonderful movie. And well, he, a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's wonderful. Yeah. But he's he's had some pretty good roles as things go. Uh, in previous podcast land, uh, we saw him in Kingdom of Heaven. Okay. Uh, he was in The Incredible Hulk, which Sam pointed out is technically the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. However, he then got recast. Not the first person to get recast in that universe, but that's another story. That happens. And he's done a lot of good environmental work and is the UN Goodwill Ambassador for Biodiversity. Well, so we yeah, go. good job there. And we also haven't talked about Emma Stone yet. I wish we were still talking about the same Ed Norton. What? Okay, Emma Stone. Are we? <laughs> did you want to talk about Edward Norton? No, I don't know him. Okay, so no, we're not friends or anything. Emma Stone started acting as a teenager in the year two thousand on theater. She made her TV debut on a reality show that never really saw the light of day. It was called In Search of the New Partridge Family, and it's, apparently they were trying. It was a reality show whose concept was they were going to. Redo the Partridge family. Huh. And they made a pilot and then it never went anywhere. That happens. So they didn't even pilot the new Partridge family. Mm -hmm. They piloted the search for the new Partridge family. In any case, she then went on to be in Super Bad as Zombieland in Easy A. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot about that. <laughs> and at least one of those people will think is a good funny movie. At least one of those. Uh, other than that, she's people that are younger than me. Yes. Okay. You may even like one of them. You would probably e like EZA. You would like EZA. Did I watch EZA with you? Probably. EZA, EZA is a giant scarlet letter reference. It, yeah. I know, but did we, that time when we, you and I watched a lot of movies together, did I watch uh, that movie with you? Maybe. Maybe. She was also in the non, technically non Marvel Cinematic Universe Amazing Spider Man movies hmm. as the main love interest. Who then has a tragic accident at the end of the second one. Spoilers to anyone who somehow hasn't read a Spider-Man comic in the last six years. I also just saw that they might be doing a Gwen Stacy movie. Gwen Stacy or the uh, like the Spider-Man? The, the, the Spider-Gwen. Spider Spider-Gwen? See, yeah. th see, that's okay. So they're just going to do a movie all about the love interest <laughs> no. who has a tragic accident. That's going to be a problem. Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Birdman. Edward Norton was also nominated, huh. and I, th I think he's uh, one of our topics to talk about. And Michael mm. Keaton was also nominated. Huh. So, decent things here. Oh, Billy Jean King in the biographical sports film Battle of the Sexes, Emma yes. Stone. Yeah. So, interesting there. That might be worth seeing, because everyone loves some good tennis. But that's about it for actors. There's not a lot of people really... Right. There are people that are uh, involved in the plot, but we yeah. don't see them a lot. Yeah. What there, this movie really comes together is in its execution of filmmaking, which is why it won for cinematography and why we're going to be talking about it that mm -hmm. way today. This film has one cut. 
not counting the beginning where it's doing a little bit of opening credits blip. Montage sort yeah, of. And the one cut is a like fever dream sequence mm-hmm. near the end. But other than that, the shot does not cut. It, it appears that obviously, way, through the magic of obviously television. they did because we can see time changes, mm-hmm. we can see people moving around. But it is shot and edited in such a way that it appears to be a single continuous take. I'm curious how it could not get nominated for editing because it seems like it should have, or maybe it was nominated. Now that I think about it, no, they said it, it didn't wasn't. Win. It definitely didn't win, but they said it wasn't. In any case. This is obviously something that requires a lot of work to do. And in order to get that done, they had the film editors and the production designer on hand during rehearsals and planning before they even were getting cameras rolling. Because they had to plan around, how are you going to do this? They had to build their set so that their guy with the camera could fit in the hallways. They had to plan their shots around pulling a camera off of a gimbal outside, off the gimbal through a window, so they could keep a continuous shot going. Things Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, fun fact number 57, you know how the cinematographer was the same guy that worked on Gravity? Yeah. You know how they properly lit Michael Keaton so he could do his flying around scene? In the same kind of They put him in a light box? Oh, the same kind of rigging they same did for Same kind gravity. of rigging they had for Gravity. Oh. But instead of doing the lights of space, it was the lights of high-rise New York. You know how they got no cameras in the mirrors? Digital matte painting. Hmm. Uh, so in older films, they would have matte paintings that would for- be the background. So they wouldn't have to, you know, build a castle. What they did is they made a digital painting of the back of the uh, makeup rooms. So then when they needed to remove a cameraman from a mirror shot, they could replace what's in the mirror with a reversed digital version of the room. And they just like, oh, no, plop that right in there. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of visual effects going on, but it was all very subtle. This is Mm -hmm. definitely not going to be, you know, Star Wars visual effects. So obviously wasn't nominated there either. No surprises coming there. Because they didn't just because we didn't get hit in the face with the visual effects doesn't mean it shouldn't get nominated. Yeah, but I mean, when, when we look at the list of visual effects movies this year, oh. it will not be surprising. Uh-huh. The film's ending was originally very different, and I feel confident in telling you what the ending was. The initial ending was going to involve Johnny Depp. What? Yes. Here was the plan, essentially. So the end of the movie comes with Michael Keaton doing a thing. That involves him, believably, not being able to, in character, perform the role. So the plan was going to be, now it's Johnny Depp, and instead of a Birdman poster, it's a Pirates of the Caribbean poster. And he's got a voice in his head of Jack Sparrow asking him what he's doing. And it's a vicious cycle of an actor who used to be in Hollywood... And has his big character talking to him in his head and trying to make it on Broadway. Okay, I was going to say, as <laughs> what character, schmuck. as Captain Jack Sparrow, is what I was going to say. Yeah. Which is just... Yeah, so really it silly. would be normal Johnny Depp putting on the wig to do the final scene as J- Jack Sparrow talks in his head 
like Birdman talks in uh, Reagan's head. That's ridiculous. That would have been a different ending. Eventually they went, you know what? This is kind of satirical and stupid. (laughs) Well, I think that just takes it four steps too far. Yeah. And they were doing so many references to things. I can't believe that they got away with mentioning that many Disney Disney Marvel properties and not getting in trouble. Well, did they thank them at the end? They must have. I didn't. I wasn't paying attention. But it's not like you can just say. But a, Disney didn't own Marvel at that time. In 2014? Are you sure? No. Somebody look it up. We need. Uh, I don't. I don't have a fact-checking machine. Like uh, you can't really talk. You can't just be saying things like Avengers and Iron Man three these days in your movie and just let it be okay. I mean, then people's names, sure, no one's going to come after you for mentioning Robert Downey Jr. But. That just feels like I mean, you can't like you can't mention Coca Cola without Coke having probably not no. <laughs> well, then how can you use any words? Uh, it's we have Di- to, it's pretty Disney cool. bought Marvel in two thousand and nine. So yeah, they definitely oh. owned Marvel at the time. But in, in I mean they they could probably could have said X Men. The X Men were still being run by uh, Fox, I think at the time, so they were okay with that one. What do you guys what what do you guys got about the cinematography and the camera work and the stuff? Uh, you know, I I'm I'm thinking it was just really unique in that perspective in in my opinion. The the strangeness about it. I mean, there was a strangeness oh, from definitely. the standpoint of it wasn't the uncomfortableness you get when they do shaky camera. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that kind of uncomfortable, but it was it was and it was not the the kind of following you have on a horror flick. No, you know that kind of following yeah. is is intended to feel creepy. Yeah, and it wasn't feeling creepy. It was just strange. It was like you're following these people around all the time. But it still felt uncomfortable when the camera would circle around the actor, and mm-hmm. then then there'd be a different angle, and then you would realize there's someone else in the room, and you didn't see it because the camera was too close in. And then you'd go down the hall, and sometimes you'd be in front and sometimes behind. And I think that that was jarring. I would say that there were a few scenes or transitions that were very well done, but I felt like because it was consistently through the entire movie just one shot, which I know that was their intent, but it almost seemed like there wasn't any variety in the shots because of that. It made it so everything was the same, whereas in other films, like you see a very large variety of shots. Yeah. And then that also gives you, as the the viewer, the partaker, time to reset when the when the shots change. Like you, that that just gives you that that mental visual cue. Yeah. yeah. And reset. there were a few points where it was slightly confusing about is this supposed to be immediately following or is there a time break mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. these shots is uh, and there was a few parts where i was like okay is this supposed to be like a flashback or mm-hmm. is this in the future stuff like that is he in his head or out of his head yeah i yeah. uh, to, to note here i uh, he had multiple screenwriting friends that he told them like okay i've got this idea and in his uh, phraseology we live our lives with no edit and that's why he wanted to do it this way because you don't get to just cut mm. out bits of real life. Yeah, you and, do. It's called going to sleep. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which doesn't happen in this movie. Uh, 
But all of his writing friends, the first thing they told him was, you can't do that. (laughs) It's not going to work. And clearly it did. Well, perhaps because it was novel. Yeah. It's partially novel, partially Mm -hmm. it's a meta commentary on acting and what people want to see. Mm -hmm. The part where the guy's looking at the camera and saying, you want there to be explosions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is unfortunately a little true. Not for me. Not for you, obviously. And bonus category, I misread. It wasn't supporting actor. It was supporting actress. How do we feel about Emma Stone in this one? I think she did a fine job of seeming like an, you know, an angsty young adult trying to figure out boyhood. And she does some decent acting. Patricia Arquette has got some years uh, of experience. She does. On Emma Stone. A little bit. Yes. She was married to Nicolas Cage for six years. Patricia Arquette? She was. I thought she was older than that. She's 50 some. Is Nicolas Cage that old? I doubt it. <laughs> Sorry. I digress. But this was a year where supporting actress had Meryl Streep and Keira Knightley and Laura Dern not winning. So. Yeah, heavy hitters. Heavy hitters year. I think being included in that bunch is definitely nothing to snooze at. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one. Visual effects. Told you we'd be talking about them. So, what do we think about the visual effects here that that we that you notice? Well, the things where when he's uh, Birdman and he either does or he thinks that he's moving things or making things happen that yeah. are uh, perhaps more supernatural in nature. Yeah, and there was that like thirty seconds where the movie turned into a superhero movie with guys getting shot and rockets mm-hmm. and a. Giant mm-hmm. metal bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's fine, but allow me to read you the list of movies that were nominated and then the winner for visual effects X Men, Days of Future Past, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, the first one? Yeah. Oh. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, dear. Captain America the Winter Soldier. So there's three <laughs> Marvel movies and a movie with Andy Serkis in it. And then the winner is Interstellar. Oh. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, if this movie that... had had reasonable visual effects, this was not a year to go messing around with the big boys in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I kind of think that I should have just grabbed Interstellar and we should have watched that. Oh, <laughs> you mean for one of your bonus movies? Just, just for fun. That's a good Because mm-hmm. uh, since we're not going to talk about it, I will mention I saw some special effects uh, behind the scenes on that one. And the reason why there there's a black hole in that movie, spoilers, the reason why it looks like the way it does is because they hired an astrophysicist and they gave him time on a big computer and said, put in your numbers of how black holes work and we will visualize it for you. And he said, okay. And they put it in and he said, this looks wrong. And they said, why? And he said, I don't know. That's not how black holes look. And they said, why? How do you know? He went back to his numbers and all the numbers were right. And the way that people thought about black holes was incorrect. And they were visualizing it properly. It's just that no one knew that that was the right way to look at a black hole. And so the movie pioneered stuff for astrophysics, which is kind of cool. Well, because they needed some more funding. Because they need, well, yeah. Well, (laughs) I I think Interstellar is also the movie where Nolan, because they wanted to film something properly, he bought land and grew corn on it. Because there was a scene where they needed to have a guy driving through corn. And so he planted, got some guys, planted corn, grew it, filmed, sold the corn at profit. 
Mm. <laughs> Why? Because it was in a movie? Yeah. Well, no, because... Because all this it... is like special movie corn? No, it's because that's what happens when you buy seeds and you sell the whole corn. <laughs> <laughs> you make money if you do it right. And our last one is art direction, which at this point is production design. Mm-hmm. It was not nominated at all. Do you think because it was just too usual? There like, wasn't a lot. Nothing, it wasn't really special. It, it, there, it wasn't it a lot like to backstage. it. Half They were using a real theater in real mm-hmm. Times Square, so they didn't have to do much there. There wasn't a lot of choice uh, setting mm-hmm. choices. I mean, they're losing out to the Grand Budapest Hotel, which yeah, that Interstellar didn't win. Mm-hmm. The Imitation Game didn't win. Yeah, this was they would have had to work pretty hard to be. Well, I think what they winning. did was a very fine job. It just wasn't unique in that department. Yeah, and it's fine to not be pushing for that. I uh, but I think it would have been obvious. It it would have been overstating. Yeah. And it would have detracted from the film if they had pushed it to make the the set design and the production design look spectacular. Yeah, because if you're making a play where you're running out of money, you don't have money for stuff. I mean, there, I did notice at one point in time, Michael Keaton was sitting in an overstuffed chair. You know, a big chair with big arms, stuffed arms. And the fabric was fraying. Yeah. Like this was, it was an older piece of furniture, right? You know, on the edges, you know, it's a piece of furniture that gets uh, used quite a bit. It's going to wear out right on the corner edges. And it was worn out just enough to look like this is the chair he always keeps in his dressing room without it looking like it was from, you know, that they picked it up on the street corner somewhere for free. Uh, so not on any of our topics, but I thought it was interesting because the soundtrack was not nominated. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack, which was improvised jazz drum solos. Mm-hmm. And I thought it interesting because the winner of best sound mixing this year was a movie called Whiplash. I don't know that film. Which is about a jazz drum player. Oh, <laughs> but not the same guy. No, obviously not the same guy. Uh, but that mm-hmm. movie also got uh, J.K. Simmons best supporting actor. Because hmm. he plays the music teacher that's teaching him. But that movie is also pretty decent, and we could have watched that one too. Hmm. But but that wasn't in the the Not in numbers. the role this time. Yep. What else we got? Anything else? Fun facts? I didn't find a lot for fun facts. I thought it was cool. I saw in looking things up that because of everything being shot in order, it only took him two weeks to edit the whole film. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Which is maybe the special effects took a lot longer. Than maybe that, the it didn't get nominated for editing because, frankly, they didn't need to do a lot. Yeah, yeah. because the <laughs> because editors the cinematography were on was so set. Good. Well, usually when you're doing film like this, your scenes are like eight seconds long max before you're doing a camera cut, and these we're talking six minutes. Mm-hmm. 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 And on a film this size, if everything was six minutes, that's it's only 12 20, shots. 12 to 20 shots total, and then you're done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... So in that regard, it was a new way of yeah making film. This is yeah. this a good movie? You should see it. Be warned. Uh, they say the F word a lot. Like, a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a very different film from what we've seen in the past. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, so... All right. 
Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. 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 <laughs>